Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. attention to the word of the Lord and uh, let's look at the book of Philippians chapter number four and then Colossians chapter two and kind of in the theme of thanksgiving here I want to talk to us from the word of the Lord for a little while here tonight starting there with verse four verse four in chapter four the book of Philippians Paul the writer of this said, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. I can agree with that. Be careful for nothing. Another translation would say anxious or don't worry about anything. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. I want to be talking about those verses of Scripture, but let's back up here, or rather let's go forward here to Colossians chapter 2, Colossians chapter 2. And I want to look at verse 6 and 7. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and builded up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught. Notice these words. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. Abounding therein with thanksgiving. He said, you've been rooted and builded up, established in the faith and been taught. And he said, you don't just stay with where you began, but you abound. Or in other words, you grow in it with thanksgiving. And uh, so I want to I speak to us tonight from this subject, abounding with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. I love the Lord tonight, don't you? Praise God. I want the Lord to help us. I want his word to, to minister to us tonight. Let's, let's pray together for the touch of the Holy Ghost to be in this service. Jesus, we need you. We need your touch. We need your anointing and power. I pray, God, that you would speak to our hearts tonight through your word. Challenge us and encourage us. We thank you so much for this opportunity to be in your house. I pray you'd bless the word of the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name we pray. And one more time, let's give a resounding praise unto the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God.
Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I remember um, it's been a long time back now when we did take our trip to the Holy Land that one of the places that we visited was one of these prisons. Um, As you know, the book of Philippians was written from a prison cell by the Apostle Paul. And uh, there are certain epistles that were written from prison as letters to the churches. And it is always amazing to me that a man that was in this position, just as he had said, he said he knew how to abound and he knew how to be abased. And even in that position, he was concerned about others. You know, that, that's a good point for us to remember, that there's always someone else that needs encouragement. We may be going through something. We may be facing things. We, we may... We may be going through a trial. There, there may be situations in our lives that we need encouragement and strength from God in. But Paul realized something, that he can receive strength by encouraging others. And he was always thinking of somebody else. Even though he was in prison, he was still thinking about this fledgling church and wanting to encourage them and help them. And so he was writing to these people. And so we had the occasion to visit one of these type of prisons. And it might surprise you just how it is, but uh, you walk through this kind of spiral type thing down. It seemed like it just kept going down. And those of you that have visited there, you know what I'm talking about. You kind of keep going down, working your way down into almost what I would call a dungeon, well below the surface where you entered. You go down, and it's very dark in there, and it's not very spacious. And way up towards the top, there's, a, there's an opening, and I suppose this is where the food was, was uh, uh, thrown in and given to him and whatever else, water, whatever else he would need in that prison. And uh, he was there in, I guess, solitary confinement uh, or any prisoner that was in the, those particular cells. And so I begin to imagine what it must have been like for the apostle Paul to be in such a prison. We know that he was in various prisons at different times, and maybe not all of them was the same. We, we know that, that the one that he was delivered out of by the angel of the Lord, or the, the, rather the shaking of the prison house when he and Silas began to worship God, was maybe quite different than the one that I'm describing. But I begin to get a picture in my mind what it might have been like to be in a prison during that period of time. A little bit different than prisons today. And uh, they didn't have a lot of amenities. And there was nothing but just uh, the solitude. So here, this man was able to stay encouraged and write such a verse. As I read to you tonight, in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. That's amazing to me that even though this man was in this prison, even though he was alone and in this dark place more than just physically, perhaps emotionally and otherwise, a very demeaning place to be, a very disappointing and disillusioning place to find yourself, yet he still says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And in just in case you didn't get that, I want to underscore it again and to say, again I say, rejoice. 
And that's, that's something that all of us can be encouraged by. If he can find himself praising God in those circumstances, then anything that I face is really minuscule. Anything that I'm going through is really a small thing in comparison. And so I always want to have the spirit of the Apostle Paul that whatever state I'm in, to be content with it and also to give praise and give thanks and adoration unto God. He had an attitude of thanksgiving. He had an attitude of praise. And uh, here he is talking about rejoicing always. And you know that's something that's easy to talk about. It's easy to say. We, we all like and enjoy the opportunities that we have in life to rejoice. But it's not always easy for us to find a reason in every circumstance of life to rejoice. But I want to give you a little secret. If you have the Holy Ghost, if you've been redeemed, if your name is written in heaven, if you're saved, in other words, then you always have a reason to praise the Lord. You always have a right to rejoice and to magnify God. I know that's simple, but it's something we need to always remember when we're walking through trials of life is no matter what, the devil can't affect that. He can't get his hand on that. He can't change that. There are circumstances he can change. I realize he's the prince of power there. It has a little bit of control here and there as far as this life is concerned. But if my name is securely written in heaven, then he can't affect my relationship with God unless I allow him to. Amen. That's one thing that I can always trust in and always rejoice in is that things are going to get better. That it may be down right now, but it's looking up, praise God. And I can worship God and give honor unto the Lord and give thanks unto his name. That's why those folks could sing in a prison house. That's why they could rejoice in solitary confinement. That's why in a dungeon they could still believe God and still be encouraged and still worship the Lord. I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of saint of God. I don't want to let troubles get me down so that it affects my praise. You know, that's the way it is sometimes with some folks is they allow, they allow circumstance to predicate how much they're going to praise God, how much they're going to give to God, how much they're going to be faithful to God, how they're going to live for the Lord. Well, you got it, you got it all wrong. This is a walk of faith, my brother. And sometimes that faith, you don't know that you have faith until faith is tested, right? And even Abraham, the father of faith, as we call him, the Bible says that the Lord tempted him or he tested him. This man that we consider a man of great faith still had to undergo some tests. And you know what the ironic thing is? Is that, you know, just like a friend of mine was telling me the other day, uh, he said, you know, if you don't pass that test, he said, you'll have to circle back and take it again. And you'll find yourself in that same circumstance again until you overcome that hurdle. You don't get to just take a pass on this and say, well, I don't want to have to undergo that again. I know I failed this time, and I don't ever want to have to go through this again. No, as long as you keep stumbling over that, you'll have to come back to that same place until you overcome that in your life. 
But I'm so thankful that we have the power through the Holy Ghost to overcome any test or any trial or any problem that may arise in our life. We don't have to succumb to it. We don't have to continue to fail when that test comes. But we can triumph and we can make it to the next level. We can go to the next place in God. Hallelujah. And, and so this man Abraham, he found himself even where his worship was concerned. Because this was what the Lord wanted him to bring as worship, his only son, his son of promise, the thing that he had waited his whole life for and held on and hoped for. This very thing, the Lord wanted him to submit and surrender to him on an altar of sacrifice. And that was a great test. But that is the first place that worship is mentioned is where this man passed the test. Now I know you won't hold anything back from me. I want to know, does God know some things about you that when you're going through a trouble and you're going through some trials and you're facing some circumstances that have you uncomfortable, are you are you going to be able to be dependent on that you'll stand true to God and be faithful to worship God and you won't fall down in your praise to God just because the circumstances aren't just right. If you're always waiting on conducive circumstances, well, you're going to find yourself hard up sometimes because you're not always going to be in a Sunday night kind of atmosphere. You're not always going to be in a revival type atmosphere. You're not always going to feel faith at a heightened level. You're not always going to feel like you're on top of the world. There's going to be times when your hands are going to be heavy and your knees are going to be weak, as the Bible says. And you're going to have to have faith that says, you know what? I'm going to worship God. I am going to trust in God. And I'm going to believe that God is faithful no matter what I am going through at the moment. My praise is not going to be predicated on my conditions. It's not going to be predicated on how I feel because those things can change. Emotions can change. Circumstances can change. The atmosphere of where I'm at can change. But there's one thing that never changes, and that is the goodness of God. Oh, the Bible said he is great and greatly to be praised. His greatness doesn't fluctuate. His greatness doesn't go down in value. It is always, he's always great. And he's always great to be praised. Hallelujah. Come on, let's clap our hands to him. And so he, he gives us a formula of how to continue and to abound with thanksgiving. And it's right here in Philippians chapter number 4. And I read through this. Matter of fact, he's very explicit. And the majority of this is right there in verse number 4. To always abound with thanksgiving. We don't need to worry about anything. I'm going to talk about this thing called worry for just a little bit because it seems to consume people in the 21st century. And I, I know worry is not a new problem. It's not like worry has just come upon us here lately. Worry has been a thing that people have dealt with from the beginning of time. But uh, don't worry about anything. He said there, rather in verse 6, he said, 
Be careful for nothing. As I've said, another translation says, be anxious for nothing or don't worry about anything. I'm going to tell you, worry and worship are not compatible. Worry and worship are not something that go together good. In fact, fear and faith, uh, they cannot coexist together. You've got to choose one or the other. You've got to give in to one or the other. If you're going to, if you're going to have victory, you, you've got to have faith that overcomes the fears and the worries and the fretting that can sometimes take over our minds. Worry comes about in a lot of different areas of our lives. And I realize there's a lot of different things that we can worry about. And there's concerns and there's pressures that come upon us daily. There's cares of life. And uh, the Bible tells us about that when the sower went forth. And, and uh, he, he, he went and he sowed upon different types of ground. That there was some that fell among thorns. And this was typical of the cares of life and and that that plant that was was placed there that seed that was placed in the ground and became a plant and began to grow uh the scripture tells us indicates that the thorns choked it out and, and caused it to diminish and wither and die and I'm going to tell you, you could sit in an atmosphere in a church service and there be the Word of God preached and be good instruction that goes forth and good teaching that goes forth and the Spirit of the Lord is moving. But if you're consumed with the cares of life, that, that Word of God, as precious as it is, that kernel, that seed of the Word of God, as great and as powerful as it is, it cannot take seed in your heart and begin to grow like it should. Until you remove those, those thorns of worry that can choke out life. Those thorns of cares and burdens that can choke the life out of you. It's hard to be fruitful with these things existing in our life. It's hard for us to abound and grow and become as we need to. As this scripture indicates that we should as long as worry is dominating our life. And Jesus spoke about this to his closest followers, his disciples, in Luke chapter 12 and verse 22. And he said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, neither for the body what ye shall put on. The life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, that is the most Filthy bird. It is, uh, when we think of fowls of the air, we, we think of uh, birds uh, that are pretty to look upon. Uh, ravens way down on the list. That's, that's not something that we think about as a, uh, something that is uh, pleasant to look upon. These are basically the garbage men uh, of the earth. I mean, they come along and they eat uh, things that are dead. They eat on the refuse and the trash and the garbage that is thrown out. He said, consider the raven, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, 
with, with taking thought can add to his stature one cubit. You know, it doesn't matter how much I worry about it, how much I concern myself with it, how much I think on it. Uh, you know, I'm 46 years old, encroaching on 47. I'm never going to be as tall as Brother Jonathan. doesn't matter how much I worry about it. I mean, I can, I can say I'm going to stretch myself. You know, my, my brother-in-law had one of those things in his house that you hook your feet up. I've never seen anything quite like it. You hook you. It's supposed to help you back, I guess. And you hook your feet around your ankles. You lock yourself into that thing. And then you lean back and it hangs you upside down. He said, man, that thing do wonders for you. He said, it straighten out your back, you know. Get them vertebrae all separated like they should. I said, I'm afraid I'd, I'd end up like that and couldn't get back up right side up. Or, you know, I, I was kind of worried about his wife. Maybe she'd just leave him in that condition. But I'm going to tell you, I could stretch myself and I, I could think about it all I want to. There's just some things I can't change through worry. That's just the way life is. That's the way God set it in order. And that's the laws of nature. I'm just telling you, friend, there's some things that no amount of worry and concern and fretting, you can bite your nails, you can wring with sweat. And I'm just telling you, at the end of it all, with all your worry and energy expended on those things, it's not going to change it at all. You have to accept it in faith that God is able to help me through this. That God is going to give me the strength. That God is going to give me the... Oh, come on, help me, somebody. God is going to give me the peace. God is going to give me the necessary joy to make it. If you then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies. How they grow, they toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God be so clothed with grass, or so clothed the grass, which is the day in the field, today in the field, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not ye that ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Don't give in to unbelief. Don't allow yourself to fall into this attitude of worry and doubt and being consumed with the stress of what is going to happen tomorrow. Put faith in God. If you're living for God, if you're living according to His Word, if you're paying your tithe and you're being faithful to the Lord, you just have to know that I'm a child of God and God cares about me and God is going to provide for me and God is going to protect me and God is going to watch over me and it's God's pleasure to bless me I'm telling you it's God's pleasure to bless you it's God's pleasure to take care of his children Amen. he said what one of you this is another portion of scripture he said what one of you when your child or son comes to you and asks for a piece of bread, do you give him a stone? If he has to ask an egg, would you give him a scorpion? He said, you being a sinful man, even people that don't live for God, even people that don't serve the Lord, they know better than that. 
They have more about them than that. They don't do those things. They're, they're not that type of person. He said, you being evil, give good gifts to your children. How much more does the Lord of heaven care about you? Is he concerned for your need? I'll tell you, we're worried about things that God, amen, he's the one that needs to worry about it. I just want to live for him. I want to serve him. I want to keep on worshiping him. I want to keep on being faithful to him. And he's going to take care of me. He's going to take care of my health. He's going to take care of my ability to provide for my family. He's going to take care amen of every concern that I have for my children. He's going to be there for me if I'll just put my faith and if I'll just put my trust in God. Oh, let's give some praise unto it. Don't worry about anything. That's how you abound with thanksgiving. And then he goes on and he instructs us to pray about everything. First of all, don't worry about anything. And then he says to us to pray about everything. Going on in verse 6, but in everything by prayer, some things, everything, just the things that you know that God would be okay with, and you know that he wouldn't tell you no in. And you know that are obviously the will of God. That's the only things you're supposed to pray about. Everything with prayer and supplication. You know, sometimes we get ourselves in a jam because we make choices and we make decisions without consulting with God about it first. Without praying and seeking the face of the Lord. We act and then we want God to bless it. We make decisions, then we want God to, to put his stamp of approval on it. We make choices, and then we want God to say, okay, I want you to go ahead and bless this. Now that I've already got myself in this situation, I want you to go ahead and I want you to bless and provide for me in this deal. Even though I put myself in this predicament, I want you, I want you to help me in it. When really, if we want to please God, we need to have prayed about it first. You know, don't be knee-jerk in your decisions. Don't be knee-jerk in your choices. Don't be the type of person that just does things out of impulse. Come on, am I talking to you tonight? I know it's Sunday night, but uh, I, I'm just feeling this tonight, and I can't help myself. We, we, we can be so impulsive with things. Amen. You know, it's, it's kind of like a teenager. Uh, you know, they decide... They get their first job, and then all of a sudden somebody comes driving by in a shiny car, and they think, you know what? I'm making $250 a week. I can afford a, a car payment now. And they don't, they don't think about the insurance, and they don't think about that after you buy the thing and pay the insurance and pay the monthly note that you still got to put gas in it for it to run. Hello? You, you still got to go by the gas pump, and that stuff is getting higher and higher, isn't it? And, and then you still got to change oil every once in a while. And you know, those tires, they're, they're not lifetime. Those tires will wear out on you after a while. Kind of like a preacher friend of mine. He, he was kind of a wheeler dealer of sorts. And uh, he had a fella come buy a car from him. And uh, he bought it at night. I don't ever recommend you buy something when you can't see it. 
he bought that car, and they went around in the car a little bit, and he, yeah, I'll buy it, and he bought it. He drove uh, pretty good ways and pulled over and got a hotel. And next morning, he come up, got out of the hotel and wa- walked out to where his car was, and he noticed that all four tires were slick on that car. And he thought to himself, he said, man, that guy got me. He's called that brother up, and he said, hey, brother. He said, uh, he said, you know, I got out here, and I noticed that all the tread on these tires is wore down. He said, uh, he said you think I might get a little rebate? Because I'm going to have to put a new set of tires on this car. You think I might get, might get a little of my money back? He said, no, sir. He said, let me ask you a question. He said, yeah. He said, if you woke up this morning and walked out there, and you'd have had four new tires on that car, would you have sent me some more money? All a matter of perspective, isn't it? Moral of the story is, is know what you're buying. And, and think things through. And don't be impulsive about things. Amen. I've been impulsive about things at times, and it got me in a jam. Thought I wanted something and couldn't wait to get it. And when I got it, I decided I didn't want it near as bad as I thought I did. How many's ever been there? You ever bought something, wanted to take it back? Wanted to cash in on it? Wanted to, wanted to return it some way or another? And, and you know, there's some things you buy in life and you purchase in life and, and it's a no money back. Uh, deal. I mean, there's no refunds. There's, no, you know, nothing. You can't, there's, all sell is final. And I'm going to tell you, there's some decisions you can make in life that are finalized when you make them. And it takes a whole long time to undo those things and outlive those things and overcome those things. And so before you ever enter into them, it's important that you pray about it so that you make the right choice. Oh, I'm fixing to get right up next to some of you. I'm going to tell you, there's no decision that you would ever make, young person. Uh, you know, and it may not just be young person. It may be any person that, that finds himself in, in a situation where you need a husband or a wife or you think you need a husband or a wife. You better pray about that decision. Let me just give you a little advice. You, you better not date anybody that you wouldn't consider marrying that person. This recreational dating type thing, well, we're just, you know, we're just kind of recreationally dating here. I'm not saying that when you date somebody or when you take somebody out that that means that you're going to get married for sure. But if you wouldn't consider marrying that person, then don't consider going out with that person. Is that too plain for anybody here tonight? Amen. All the adults say amen. All the married folks say amen. Amen. All the people that want people to marry right say amen. And so you don't get tangled up in all that stuff. You've got to pray about these decisions. Don't be impulsive about these decisions. Because you'll find yourself in a bad situation. You'll find yourself bankrupt financially. You'll find yourself in a relationship that is tumultuous. You'll find yourself in a situation that is difficult to undo. When we could have avoided it had we started with prayer. 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort you therefore that first of all, everybody say first of all, first of all, supplication, prayers, and intercession. First of all, supplication, prayers, and intercession. As I understand supplication, that's a level of prayer that we get into that is much like 
intercession, but intercession is praying at a depth for others. Supplication is that depth of prayer that we're praying about the needs of our own life and our own situation. Before you enter into situations of your life and make choices in your life and, and get involved and make decisions that are going to be long-lasting decisions that you're going to have to live with, it's important that you enter into a place of deep prayer and, and supplication before God and say, God, I want to make sure that I've soaked this decision in prayer. I want to make the right choice. And I'm going to tell you, God is not elusive. God doesn't want you to make a mistake. He'll reveal to you. I will tell you, a good indication. I didn't plan on saying this tonight. But a good indication is if you don't feel peace about it, it's probably not right. Because the Bible said, follow peace with all men. Amen. you got to follow peace in life. You, 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 can't, you can't just... You, if it doesn't feel right to you, if it doesn't, something just seems out of whack with it, you, you got to follow that instinct. That's more than instinct as far as human instinct is concerned. That's the Spirit of God trying to reveal to you. Be sensitive to that. Because if God speaks to you about something, God talks to you about something, if you ignore Him and you grieve the Holy Spirit of God, as the Bible said, there's a good chance that you won't have that same warning the next time. But you know, sometimes we want, we want warning sirens to go off. We want handwriting in the sky. You know, you can't expect handwriting in the sky if you won't follow the handwriting of this book right here. You can't expect it to be written in the clouds if you won't follow the simple word of God that many of us have more than one of these sitting around our house somewhere and we don't spend the time that we should reading the word of God. But if we get in this book, his will never contradicts his book, his word. Amen. You can find the will of God in the word of God. And if you'll take the time to read the word of God, you'll walk in the will of God and you'll understand what it is to be sensitive to the spirit of God. Oh, somebody give some praise to the Lord right now. Oh, don't be bashful to say, you know what, before I jump off the bridge here and make this decision, I'm going to pray about it. Before I make this choice, I'm going to pray about it. Don't, don't be ashamed to say, before I sign my name on the dotted line, I'm going to take some time and pray about this earnestly. I just feel like pushing on this a little bit more. You know, we can want our will so much that God just backs off and said, okay. You can want it your way so much that God just said, I'll let you. Go ahead. But that's not the preferred way. And that's not going to be the easiest path. And that's not going to be the most blessed way for your life. Amen? You can keep pressing, keep pressing, keep pressing when there's flags that are going up everywhere. Need to pray about this. Need to pray about this. Come on, spend some time seeking God about this. Let's spend some time consecrating. Get the mind of God about this. Let's look at the Word of God. See what God's Word says about this. Those are warning signs to us. God's trying to spare us from making a mistake. And there's some decisions and choices, again, that we make. Well, it's, it's a little different than whether or not you're going to choose steak or chicken. 
it's a little different, and it has a lot more repercussions involved in it as to what your decision is going to be for the restaurant of your choosing after service tonight. These things have more gravity. These decisions and these choices have a whole lot more riding on them. So it's important that we pray and seek the face of God first. You know, some people make decisions and choices. I'm, I'm talking about relationships again now. They make decisions and they make choices and never consult their pastor not one time about it. Well, it's so quiet in here you can hear mice licking ice. But that's a fact. If he's the watchman of your soul... I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about whomever your pastor is, which I'm assuming this congregation that would be me, but I have been surprised a few times. I'm just telling you that that's, that's one of the first stops you need to make and to say, you know what? You know, there's certain circumstances you get in and, and, and you can think and your mind, your, your mind's fogged over. It's not clear. It's not thinking right. It might be your youth. It might be the situation that you're in. It might be grief. It might be the emotions. It might be a lot of things. And, and I, without being so plain, I just want to tell you, with all those things going on, you know, you might not be thinking so clear, and you need to get an outside voice and not just take it upon yourself that I know what's best for me. Because, man, you can cause yourself a whole lot of heartache if you do that. So it's important that you be willing to listen uh, to your man of God and say, you know what, I want you to help me pray about this. If you feel anything, and don't say it unless you mean it, if you feel anything, Pastor, please tell me if you feel anything about this that isn't right. If you feel uneasy about it, then I'm just going to follow your lead because I know that if I'll be obedient, God will bless me. Some of us can't ever get that through our thick head. That if I'll just if I'll submit to the will of God and the plan of God, God will always help me to come out on top. If I won't just be uh, headstrong and getting my way and my will, hey, hey, I want God's blessings. I want God's approval. I want God's goodness in my life. I'm going to tell you, this brother, Lorman, he's pastored before. He knows, you know, pastors don't just go around volunteering things and, and jumping into situations everywhere. They, they got plenty that they got to take care of without jumping in. And so, they're, they, but they, they want people to have the attitude that, that, Pastor, I want you to help me in this decision. Because they'd rather you get it on the front end like that than to try to piece things back together when your life's in shambles on the back end of the decision that did not work out. Don't wait until the car crash. Don't wait until the life's destroyed. Don't wait until things are shattered, until there's hardly any hope, and say, come on now, preacher, I need you to help me now. Oh, it would have been a whole lot better if you'd have first of all prayed about it and come to the man of God and said, help me at this point because I don't want to make a mistake about this. Oh, come on, let's give some praise unto the Lord if you believe it tonight. So don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. And thank God for all things. He goes on to say in this verse, he said, With thanksgiving let your requests be known 
to God. If you're going to bring a request, make sure you come with thanksgiving for what he's already done for you. And everything you ask God for and every prayer that you bring before God, you need to come with thanksgiving in your heart. Thank God in all things. Thank God for everything. God, I thank you for saving me. I thank you for filling me with the Holy Ghost. I thank you for setting me free. I thank you for changing my life. I thank you, God, that I've been baptized in you. I thank you for the truth. I thank you for changing my life for the good. I thank you for giving me the church for giving me a place in the body of Christ. I thank you, God, for your blood. I thank you, God, for your word. I thank you, God, for your spirit. I am thankful. Is there any thankful folks in this house? Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet right now and let's give him some praise from our hearts right now. Let's give him some worship from our hearts right now. Thank God for all things. I'm talking about the formula for abounding with thanksgiving. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Thank God for all things. And then finally, think on the right things. Chapter 8 here. Get chapter chapter 8, verse 8, I mean. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things, I want you really to get this one, are of a good report. If there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. Think on honest things. Think on lovely things. Think on good things. Think on good reports. Amen. And if we think on those things, we'll always have something to abound with thanksgiving. We'll always have a reason to rejoice and to worship God. I wonder right here at the conclusion tonight, the week before Thanksgiving, if there's anybody that's got a praise of thanksgiving to give to God, if there's anybody that can give thanksgiving to Him from your heart right now, now musicians would you come please now I hadn't preached a long time tonight and that's for a purpose because I didn't want to belabor the point but I want to remind some people of some very pointed things in the word of God I want to remind some people of how that you can always be abounding and growing in God. If you don't give in to worry, and if you learn how to pray about everything, and then you learn how to give thanks, and you learn how to think on the right things, that's a winning combination, my folk, my friends. Amen. That's a winning combination when we think on the right things, when we're thankful, to, when we, we don't give in to worry, and when we pray to God that we can make the right choices and He would give us direction in life, uh, we, can be, we can be successful. We can be blessed. God will take care of us. Uh, amen. I want you to lift up your hands to the Lord right now. I want you to seek after God right now. I want somebody to give praise uh, unto the Lord of hope. Right now.